Uh, my name is Ryan Bosser. I'm the Connections Director here at the church. Uh, I, I remember years ago when, when my kids were younger, one morning we were, uh, it was Sunday, and we were trying to get out of the house uh, for church. We were just trying to get out the door, and we were so late. Um, and, and one of our kids was having the kind of crying tantrum where, where, where you're pretty sure that there's a neighbor out there watching, getting ready to call Child Protective Services on you. Uh, another kid was, was still half naked. Um, another kid, um, we actually couldn't find her anywhere because she was actually still in bed asleep. Um, and another kid refused to leave the house unless we brought our dog. Uh, so, so we finally get out of the door and, and we're loading up into the van. And, and my oldest um, looks at me and she said, Dad, why do we have to go to church today? And the first thing that came into my mind, it was just, it was just what I thought of. I said, well, because we love Jesus. And she looked back at me and she said, but dad, we can just love Jesus from home today. <laughs> but, it, but it's a really good question, right? Uh, I mean, why, why do we need to be at church today here on Sunday or, or really any Sunday for that matter? Uh, because I think that, uh, the, you know, it's important for us to have a question to that, you know, to that answer. Uh, because, because there are a lot out there, you know, at least some out there that, that would probably agree with um, you know, my oldest at the time that, um, you, you know, I can, I can be at home and I can, and I can love God and, and I can follow Jesus and I can probably even sing some songs if I want to all from the privacy of my own home. So it's probably not a big deal whether or not I'm here each Sunday. And we're in this series right now that, that we've called a playlist. And, and what we've been saying during this series is that God writes the lyrics for our souls in the Psalms. So we've been studying the book of Psalms. But it's also true that, that God wrote these lyrics for our souls. And I think that that's what we're going to see in, uh, in our psalm for today. It's Psalm 81, that, that God has given us some, some really good lyrics for our souls that, that helps us uh, build this really good playlist for navigating life. And, and, and here's why this is important. And really, this is a big idea for today. It's that your heart's playlist determines your life's pathway. In other words, what you hear or the, the, the voices that you listen to matter because, uh, because we take these things and, and, and we tend to build narratives around uh, and for our life. So, so for example, if, if I hear a voice that says, you know, man, it, it's, a, it's a good thing to, uh, to have a lot of money, then, um, you know, then that has a tendency to, to seep down into my heart. And then my heart says, yeah, man, I, I, I like that idea. In fact, um, I bet having, you know, more money will, uh, will help me feel happier and more secure and, and more confident. And then this impacts what uh, I give my, my life over to and what I value and, and what I follow. And so then my life's pathway becomes shaped by this, you know, more money playlist. And yet you and I both know that, that in the words of the prophet Biggie Smalls, mo money, mo problems, right? So today we're going to learn a new playlist, and I'm calling it uh, the Church Significance Playlist. There are three tracks on this playlist. Um, so go ahead and grab your Bibles. I want you to open them up to Psalm 81. And as you're doing that, let me go ahead and give you the first track. 
It's that we gather on Sunday to remember who God is and what he's done. Starting in verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength and shout for joy to the God of Jacob. And raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full noon, at the full moon on our feast day. So what stands out immediately is that this is celebration language. And we've got singing, and we've got instruments, and somebody's gonna you know, bust out a tambourine. Uh, and the guy who wrote this psalm, uh, his name was Asaph. He was a Le- Levite worship leader, and he's calling the people of God uh, to come celebrate at the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was something commanded by God uh, all the way back, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 16. And it was a gathering to remember God's provision during the 40 years that, that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. Uh, in this, in this uh, you know, church service lasted an entire week long. I mean, imagine if you had to come to church for an entire week straight. Some of you are like, dude, you've got me for one hour and I'm out, right? But, uh, but they were there to remember who God is. That's why in verse one, it says that he is God, our strength. And not just that God is strong or that God is powerful. Those, those things are true, but it's that he's our power. He's our strength. And without him, we're just left wandering aimlessly through the wilderness. Which is why then it's, it's equally important to, to remember what God's done. Let's keep going. Look at verse 4. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. And he made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. So notice in in verse 4, it says that it's a statue in a rule. And verse 5 says it's a decree, meaning this gathering wasn't optional. Because because what's true for the Israelites tends to, to be true for you and I. It's that we have this tendency to forget. And God didn't, didn't want his people to forget that, that it was he alone who rescued them from Egyptian slavery. And that was he alone who delivered them and sustained them over the 40 years when they had nothing. And so the Feast of Tabernacles was, was about thanksgiving and appreciation to God for who he is and what he had done for them. And God commanded them to come together with this one unified voice of praise during this Feast of Tabernacles, really for the same reason that he calls us to come together here on on Sundays. It's so that we wouldn't be left to remember by ourselves. Because we were never meant to, to live our lives in isolation. And being together 
helps us remember what matters most. So why do we need to be here on Sunday? It's, it's so that we can uh, remember and feel this sense of community together, united by a common cause under the banner of being God's people. And that's deep fellowship together in worship for who God is and what he's done. And that's why in, in verse 7, you see the word selah, which means mark that or take notice. It means this is something worth paying attention to. So let me ask you, did you come to, to church today ready to celebrate I mean, could, could you imagine what it would feel like if, if you, uh, you know, got into the church parking lot and it was, it was just like arriving to the, to the shoe on Saturday morning for an Ohio State Buckeyes game? Or maybe for you, your, your tendency when, when you come on, on Sunday morning is to, is to maybe kind of zone out a little bit. And if the worship music is good, maybe that, that helps you feel good. And maybe if it's a, if it's a good message, if it's, if it's funny, that might help you feel a little bit good. But then if not, then, then you walk out and you think to yourself, man, I just, I just wasn't getting anything out of this today. And did you come, did you come to church today uh, in order to connect with people? I mean, look around the room right now. Like, actually, look around the room right now. And would you say that the other people that you see in here are more like family or are they more like strangers? And maybe for you, you would, you would rather just, you know, grab a cup of coffee when you come in and sit towards the back. Certainly, as far away from the stage as you can, Right? And all the while you think to yourself, gosh, I just hope I don't have to talk to anyone today. Or do when you come in, do you think to yourself, gosh, I hope I have the opportunity to connect with people in a meaningful way that lifts my spirits, especially after the crappy week that I've just had. Let's move on to our second track. We gather on Sunday to learn how to listen to God. Verse 8. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would, but listen to me. And God says, I want to teach you something. I want you to, I want you to understand what I have to say because, because I have your best interest in mind. You can trust me. And you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, throughout uh, the entire book of Psalms, it's, it's broken down into 150 individual Psalms. And that's comprised of 2,461 verses, broken down into 42,704 words. And it's this, and it's this verse if you would, but listen to me, is the exact middle point of all of it. And it's as if God is saying, uh, everything that you've heard in the Psalms up until this point, 
and everything that you're going to hear in the Psalms beyond this point uh, all hinges on our ability to listen. But I think when you, when you lean in and you listen carefully, really, it, it sounds like the, the, the desperate pr- plea from a good and loving father to his children saying, if and please, if, only if, you would listen to me. But now listen to what? That's what we want to know, right? Look at verse 9. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And open your mouth wide and I will fill it. In other words, God says, I want you to hold fast to the first two commandments that I gave to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. And here's the point. God wants to be the main priority in your life. And it's not that you can't have other priorities, but they're secondary. And God says, I don't want you to follow uh, anything or anyone else. I don't want you to to chase after these things. In other words, I don't want you to put your your functional trust on a day-to-day basis in anything else. Because that's what we call idolatry. And I think here's where it gets a little tricky when when we start talking about uh, idolatry. Because anything that uh, we give our lives fully to other than God is an idol. And I think that that's why it can be so difficult to discern. And as John Calvin put it, the human heart is an idol factory, meaning you and I can make anything out of an idol. Why? Because idols are simply disordered desires. And it's not necessarily wrong to have desires. I mean, there's some some good and right desires and we all have desires. But it's when you you throw your life out of whack in order to, to chase after these desires that it becomes a problem. So how do you know if if you might have an idol problem? And let me give you two simple tests. Number one, where do you spend your money? And number two, where do you spend your time? Because this applies to everyone. Everyone has to spend money. And everybody's going to spend some time. And let me give you an example of, uh, of what I'm talking about. Uh, I remember when uh, my kids first started to get into the world of, of club and travel sports, uh, which in central Ohio is, you know, like extortion, but, you know, that, but that's for, uh, you know, a different day. Um, and, 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 and we were like, okay, you know, we had to get packed up uh, because we were going to be spending uh, the weekend at a tournament in Cincinnati. Uh, and, my, and my oldest uh, says to me, well, wait a minute, are you saying that uh, we have to miss church on Sunday? And I mean, mind you, these are like the same kids a year, two years ago or whatever, like, oh, why do we have to go to church? But anyway, so, uh, so Amber and I, you know, we start explaining to them, you know, listen, you made a commitment to a team. Uh, this is going to be so much fun and on and on. And then it hit me. I'm actually trying to talk my child out of wanting to go to church. So, so here's all I'm asking. Have you ever considered 
where, where you spend your time. And maybe what, maybe what prevents you from, from getting to church on, on Sundays as, as much as you would like it to. Or, or, or maybe it's even uh, what prevents you from uh, being able to, to serve on a life team. Uh, or, or maybe it's even uh, what prevents you from, from being able to uh, be part of biblical community in, in a life group throughout the week. That, that all of that might be something that deep down you prioritize more than God. And have you ever thought about where, where you spend your money? And it could be, you know, those places that you spend your money where, where it's, just, it's just second nature. Like you do it without even thinking about it. Like the money just goes and maybe because you love it and you don't ever even stop and think twice about spending your money towards that. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's, maybe it's that thing or that place that, that you spend money on to such a degree that, that, that it actually hurts you. And like sometimes when you think about it and you step back and realize how much you're spending on that, like it actually like causes you pain in how much you're spending. And what if these things, what if these things deep down might be something that you give yourself over to as, as this foreign God without even realizing it? Because God wants to be our main priority. And then if, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can prevent our desires from overtaking us, then, then listen, here's what we get in return. Verse 10, he will fill your mouth. And his promise is clear. He will, he will meet our needs and he will satisfy our lives completely and fully. But unfortunately, I think, you know, here's what our response oftentimes tends to be. Look at verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. And what happened here is that, is that everything that God said to the Israelites just went in one ear and out the other. And they heard what God had to say, but they weren't really listening. And when it says that, that they refused to submit, it, it simply means that, that they refused to be rules, ruled by the terms of the agreement. Because God said, if you put me first, I will give you complete satisfaction. And they said, and oftentimes we say, no thanks, we know what we're doing from here. What if... The worst thing God could do was turn you over to your own desires. And it's a reminder that, that the most terrifying reality is that, that there can come a point where, where God removes his grace and protection from your life. And listen, it's not because he's angry. It's not because he's sitting back there saying, you know what? It's like, you're going to get what you deserve. God's not spiteful like that. Rather, we forfeit it. And we can actually forfeit God's grace and protection. 
In the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis put it like this. The doors of hell are locked on the inside. Which is why I think our, our last track is so important. We gather on Sunday to experience complete satisfaction from God. Verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me. There it is again. That Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. And those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he, he would feed you with the finest wheat and with honey from the rock would satisfy you. Listen, things aren't getting any easier for Christians outside of uh, these four walls. I mean, you've probably noticed that, right? And yet, God says, take heart. You don't, you don't need to worry about your enemies. I'll take care of that. And you're probably thinking, yeah, but I mean, do you see how much, uh, you know, this country has changed in the last 20 years? And, and, and God says, yeah, but leave that up to me. In the meantime, in the meantime, here's what I have for you. The finest wheat, sweet honey from the rock. And it's everything that you need and nothing that you don't. In other words, complete satisfaction. But the promise always pointed to something greater. And the proof of that promise happened almost 75, 750 years later when Jesus actually showed up one night at the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me read for you uh, what happened in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, and Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the finest wheat and sweet honey from the rock become rivers of living water in Jesus Christ. Because it's only in the life, in the sacrificial death, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can experience complete satisfaction that only comes through the forgiveness of sins. And that's why we come on, on Sunday to, to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But I want you to listen to what happened next. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But in order to follow, you first have to listen. But if you listen to the wrong playlist, then, then it only makes sense that, that whatever you follow, whatever you choose to, to give your life over to, inevitably leads to darkness. So here's what we do at church. We come together in order to push back against the darkness. 
And how do we do that? Well, a lot of times it starts by acknowledging some of these idols that we have in the first place. Listen, uh, the sign of spiritual maturity isn't that you don't struggle with following idols. Spiritual maturity means that, that you are more keenly aware of the ones that seem to plague your life the most. So then individually and then corporately together, we can confess that to God and we can ask for forgiveness. And we believe that, that the blood of Jesus washes away our sins, past and present and future. And we trust in his resurrection as the guarantee of our eternal life. And hopefully, hopefully, we leave here with our spirits renewed and our hearts flowing with living water, walking in the light of Jesus. As we get ready to to close out today, I want to give us an opportunity as, as the people of God to to pray together. You remember back in, in verse 10 where, where God said, you know, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You can relax. I'm not going to ask you to do that. That, that would be super awkward, right? Um, but, but, but it reminds me that, that the point of the passage really is moving us towards this posture of, of surrender and trust. And, and I think it's, you know, for me, it's, it's a reminder that, that sometimes I need to learn how to, how to relax and, and open my heart and, and even open my hands up to, to what God has for me a little bit more. I mean, because think about it. What, what do you do when, uh, you know, when you get, you know, anxious and stressed and maybe, you know, maybe angry? You kind of ball your hand, you know, tight up in a fist, right? And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to to release some of that anger and that frustration and that control, maybe, maybe some of those idols that are plaguing your life. Release that to Jesus. And my hope is that maybe this will be your surrender moment for today and your time to say to God, listen, God, I trust you with this. So what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead uh, and make a fist with each of your hands. And all I want you to do is just drop it on your lap uh, with your fingers facing towards the ceiling. And the prayer that I'm going to be reading today is is a poem by uh, Ted Loder that I think just does an incredible job with confession because it's so honest and it's so raw. And as I'm praying, if, if there's something that, that hits you where you're like, man, yes, you know, this is where I'm at. This is, this is what I need to let go. Then in that moment, all I want you to do is just, is just open, open your hands up as if to say to God, I trust you with this. And everyone's eyes are gonna be, uh, gonna be closed and, and Caleb's gonna be playing behind us so nobody's gonna be looking around. I just, I just wanna give you the space for your heart to, to connect with God in a personal way if, if that would be something helpful for you. Let's pray. Holy One, if there is something I wanted to tell you, but there have been errands to run. 
bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to attend, and friends to entertain, washing to do. And I forget what it is I wanted to say to you. And mostly, I forget what I'm about or why. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Eternal one, there is something I wanted to tell you, but my mind races with worrying and watching, with weighing and planning, with rutted slights and pothole grievances, and with leaky dreams and leaky plumbing and leaky relationships, I keep trying to plug up. And my attention is preoccupied with loneliness, with doubt, and with things I covet. And I forget what it is I want to say to you and how to say it to you honestly or how to do much of anything. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Almighty one, there is something I wanted to ask you, but I stumble along the edge of a nameless rage, haunted by hundreds of floating fears of all kinds, of losing my job, of failing, of getting sick and old, of having loved ones die, and of dying. And I forget what the real question is I wanted to ask. And I forget to listen anyway. Because you seem unreal and far away. And I forget what it is I have forgotten. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Oh Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is, forgive me, heal me, increase my courage, please. Renew in me a little faith and love and a sense of confidence in a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real and that I mattered and that everyone was a sister and a brother what I wanted to ask in my blundering way is don't give up on me and don't become too sad about me but laugh with me and try again with me and I will with you too and what I wanted to ask is for peace enough to want and work for more and for joy enough to share and for awareness that is keen enough to sense your presence here, now, there, then, and always.